Hey, welcome to the cast. You probably know the drill by now, but if you don't, my name is Sam and I host the cast with Pastor Mike. We're here to discuss what we feel to be important, meaningful, and maybe a bit controversial topics through the lens of following Jesus. We're excited that you're listening and we hope that you'll reach out with questions and feedback. And we do appreciate when you rate, like, and subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, or however else you listen to your podcast. Lastly, very importantly, everything we say on here is just our opinion. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. We're back for another episode of the cast. We hope you enjoyed our very deep, very heavy talk on the afterlife last time. Um, something that kind of got in my head last time as we were talking about that was this notion of martyrdom. Mike kind of brought it up briefly. And it reminded me of this article I stumbled on recently um, that was actually just updated. I think it was written originally back in 2017. And it was about the Columbine uh, shooting that happened back in 1999 and kind of how this uh, Christian martyrdom fantasy sort of sprang up because of one of the girls who was killed at the Columbine shooting. So I'll just read a couple quotes from the article here to really set this conversation up. Um, but if you were a Christian teenager in 1999, the word Columbine doesn't just make you remember feeling suddenly threatened in places you thought you were protected. It's synonymous with both a cottage industry that sprung up around the shooting, a raft of commercial products that retold its stories, sometimes with dubious connections to the facts, and an ethos of martyrdom that seemed in retrospect to have summed up what it was like to be a youth group kid at the turn of the last century. And the results have lasted far into the future. The article goes on to say, the books and songs about Cassie Bernal and Rachel Scott circulated widely, especially among teenagers in suburban churches, as I and many others can personally attest. They prompted not just the teenage soul searching, but also that other teenage phenomenon, aspiration. Rosen described a kind of teenage hysteria, a Christian sanctified death wish that the Columbine martyrdom mythology had inspired. A teenager named Tina Leonard, Rosen reported, told the Southern Baptist News Service that God has laid it on my heart that I'm going to be martyred. When I told one of my friends, he said, that's awesome. I wish it could happen to me. So anyone who's talked to me at, at length knows that I would say I largely grew up outside of the evangelical bubble if you want to call it that as a kid um i i had kind of intermittent touch points with this world uh, throughout my life but one um, memory that i definitely can remember and i don't think i was really able to put it in the kind of terms that this article is describing until i actually read the article was the christian martyrdom complex i um i do remember being about 11 years old at a baptist summer camp and so we were having kind of our devotional time and one of our counselors was like reading from his book that he uses to kind of do devotionals with his campers. And he's reading this story. We're supposed to close our eyes and just picture in our heads that we're in a school and 
someone with a gun comes up to the classroom and says, I want all the Christians to come out in the hallway. And then he lines you up. You're supposed to imagine this, that he's lining you up with all the other Christian kids. And he comes by you and asks you, do you believe in God? And you say, yes. And then he shoots you. And then you go to heaven and then Jesus embraces you there in the afterlife immediately. And like, that was a very powerful uh, thing to put myself through as an 11 year old um, with a very active imagination. But looking back on it, um, I, I can't help but think that's kind of messed up. Like on one level, I get the impulse because it's maybe a reflection of how seriously we're supposed to take our faith. Yeah, sure, I'm staking my eternal soul on this. Um, you know, I'm, would I be willing to die for my faith? Like, I think, I think, yeah, my best, I would say that now. Um, but to have kids fantasize about being martyred, that, I just don't see how that's really healthy. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when, when you sent me this, like, article my first thought was like it's obviously written from you know a secular kind of perspective trying to see the story in the story and like i do think that probably what got propagated around i because i remember you know i was only in 1999 i was nine mm-hmm. but i remember columbine i yeah. do i remember yeah, hearing about it i don't remember it and um and i do remember like the the idea of the christian martyr and i remember reading um was it DC Talk who came out with like these martyr books? I remember. I, I think so. Yeah, I had yeah. all of them, all mm-hmm. the volumes, reading these stories around the world. And I think the the thing is, um, the thing is, in my mind when I hear that and we hear that story of camp, the only place where that makes sense is in a place where it is truly safe to be christian mm-hmm. and what i mean makes sense i don't mean like legitimately i mean just like i can see where that would come from mm-hmm. because in in a space where like, it is literally dangerous to be a christian you don't yeah. really have to train a kid you yeah. like this is just our life like, guys we believe this so deeply that daddy's about to go and he could die today for faith for like sure, that's yeah. going to be a conversation mm-hmm. yep um, in a place where that never comes up, yep. I can see why someone thinks that the impetus towards, hey, let's let an 11-year-old fantasize about martyrdom yep. can be like, I'm a heroic disciple of Jesus, mm-hmm. which I think is, yeah, I would not I would not do that in this context, meaning the safe, white, middle-class world that I live in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and his thing is we should not pray like we should not be sadistic and ask for the persecution of the church. Yeah, like like for sure. we have this weird, I think, like kind of guilt complex in the West where it's like all my brothers and sisters around the world are being martyred, mm-hmm. and they are like the highest persecuted religious group in the world, Christians. Yeah, no one talks about it, mm-hmm. but it's true. Mm-hmm. Even this past uh, weekend, yeah, right in Easter. Yeah. In Sri Lanka, and very little coverage, right? And I know there's been this whole blow up. I don't know if you heard about this. The whole like Easter worshippers controversy, where like yeah, Barack yeah. Obama and all them would never, would won't call them Christians. They'll call them Easter worshippers, and hell, you know, in the in the states, it's causing a quite quite a stir. And yeah, I can understand it from like the politics side of it. Sure. Anyways, right? Yep. That we should be, we like we should deeply care so much more in the West about martyrdom in the church. Yeah. It's happening all the time. Yeah. In the funny place, and this has always been from the beginning, Tertullian said this, that it was it, essentially it's the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, right? That 
when people die for their faith, it seems to make the church grow faster. And we actually have seen this in places like Iran where people were being martyred and all of a sudden the church just blows up because people are remembering and like they have like these days to remember martyrs. And so it's not like we should not be f- afraid of the conversation of martyrdom. Sure. No, I totally Because in our sense, this yeah. is, and this is the thing is like, I know we talk about religious martyrdom. Sometimes it's like tied to a conversation around like fanaticism and, and, you know, really radicalized ideology. Uh, but in but in the in Christian faith, martyrdom is always attached to um, essentially what I will call peaceful martyrdom. That we get murdered for believing in a different king, mm-hmm. a different Caesar, a different Lord. Yeah. Not for coercive reasons. We're not, we aren't trying to. We would have a different take on martyrdom than say some of our ISIS. Yes. Um, yeah. Humans in the world, right? Sure. Um, and so that's where like we can't be ashamed of the conversation martyrdom. In fact, it's going to happen. No, we know the Bible makes totally. it very clear it's going to happen. Yeah. It's happening all over the world. Yep. And so I mean, so what? It was, so when you met us, we have to be more open as a church to be like, you know what? This is the reality of the Christian church around the mm-hmm. world. People are being martyred every day, and I think we have to be prepared for it. Yep. I do think it's part of our discipline to understand that, like, and this is going to be crazy to some, but like, if if it comes down to it, we do believe that there's a level of like life is not greater than my affection for jesus sure yeah right 100 percent. And, and so there's that i do think though that like the weird desire to be martyred is weird yeah is, is a weird desire like i don't like i i don't want to be put to death like even paul says in philippians right to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. So either way, I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. But he goes, and you know, he says, I'd rather die yeah, because then I get to be Jesus. But <laughs> he goes, for your sake, and because you need it, I know he's going to keep me here, right? Yeah. And so there's like the idea of the mission of God and like, like if martyrdom comes my way, like you read these books on the martyrs, which we should read, by the way, Christians, yep. like getting into the story, the history yeah, of the church. Right? Like, I, I was definitely exposed to a lot of these stories as a kid, which I, I think was maybe a more healthy way to talk about martyrdom yeah. than having me imagine some fictional because scenario. Like, because in some of them are children, which is the thing. Like some yeah. of these stories of these, like I remember this one story of a, a girl, I believe it was in Soviet Russia, who, yeah, the story is she had to basically say deny Jesus or yeah. die. And mm-hmm. she's like, I won't. And I believe they had to like make her like spit on a picture of Jesus or something and she wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I, that's how I recall the story. I could be completely gay getting it wrong, but that's mm-hmm. how I recall it. Um, and like, they are inspiring in that sense. And it's not, and it, it's inspiring not because I want to die. It's because of the purity of their faith. Like, mm-hmm. in fact, if you trace through a lot of the stories of the martyrs of the church, what you experience or what you begin to see as a pattern is actually um, almost angelic some have described it this like this this otherworldly peace mm-hmm. like singing amongst the burning fire yeah right and like is it and like is every martyrdom like that obviously not but like there's this weird pattern of like peace yeah even going back to the roman days yeah. where they were killed in the coliseums yeah mm-hmm. and, like this weird like singing like worship yeah. in fact i think it was polycarp was it polycarp it's one of the eight church, church fathers who were like yeah like worshiping as they're dying and People don't get it. Like, how are you doing this? It's because, like, we see, like it's Stephen, right? When he's about, he's being stoned, martyred, first martyr of the church. He sees heaven, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus there, and he and he's like, forgive them, and like it's this beautiful, like, transcendent moment actually, because there is a like a rushing piece of life in that death, right? Because for us, death is translation, not termination. Um, and, and so that's where like martyrdom is a part of our church. 
Um, but yeah, the kind of like the weird, like some like really like fundamentalists kind of praying that God persecutes the church to purify is just weird. That is so weird. Like yeah. I want to purify the church and I think the devil does a good enough job persecuting it by himself. We have no one to <laughs> yeah. pray for it, right? Like yeah. I'm glad we get to be free to worship Jesus the way that we do. Like I'm not asking to go to China, right? Asking mm-hmm. to go to Iran or those places where like it's a little bit harder to do that. But I think we just have to be aware of it. And so... I do think we have to let the martyrdom around the world humble us to some extent mm-hmm. too. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think even just being, you know, secondhand witnesses to that kind of persecution around the world should make us take our faith a little bit more seriously here and really just like reflect on that, reflect on how we're practicing, how we're witnessing mm-hmm. in our context. Um, cause 100%, 100%. Because it is a totally different context that we have here. Like we, I mean, yeah, that guilt that you're speaking of earlier, like we shouldn't, there shouldn't be an impulse that, oh, I should go now over to Sri Lanka so I myself can participate in that suffering. Like, I don't believe that is like our calling here. We have been given a completely different calling in North America where we do have religious freedom and i mean they were quote-unquote christian nations at their founding so like that is in the cultural roots of these societies so yeah just to to yeah, want to which go, we can be happy for we like, can we, yeah we're yeah, for sure we can but we've i don't know if we talked about this on cast before but i know you and i have talked about this right christianity and cultural power don't always go well together that's absolutely right? true yep. and because it tends to make a much more this worldly focused church in the sense of the pursuits right yeah and you know church church as an organization right it's like anyone yeah right and it can well it can have unholy marriages with things like nationalism and um just gen- certain forms of tribalism yep and yeah. one just power in general right yeah. like, like it it does do that and so that's where like i think the the dark side of comfort is complacency, right? And the pursuit of what we now call the good life. Mm-hmm. And which is not, like, again, being able to... Okay, let's just be a little, like, introspective here. To be able to sit here and do a podcast, talk about these things, think about them into our microphones. Yeah, just thinking our, out loud. Yeah. On our laptops. Like, mm-hmm. like this is This is the privilege, peak. right? Yeah. This is, like, we don't have to worry about... Like, I got a whole fridge full of food. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about someone running in here and trying to like shoot me up. Like they're like, we are blessed. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't realize that mm-hmm. as much as we should. Um, but that also creates this weird selfishness, self-indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lack of empathy for the world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we like life for us does not consist in the abundance of things. That's Jesus's message, right? One of the aspects of not the whole one, but a constant one, right? The abundance of things, material wealth, prosperity, these things are not the foundations of our faith. Even life itself, David cries out, like his love is better than life. Do we believe that? That having the relation with God is better. We count everything, as Paul says, as rubbish, garbage, compared to knowing the resurrection of Jesus, like that is life. And like when Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain, like, we champion that as like one of those Christian verses and we get tattoos about it. We put it on our, you know, our banner, MSN messenger taglines, right? <laughs> but like, he's literally saying, kill me, fine, make so much of Jesus, 
Do we, like, we don't live like that. You know how I know? Because we can't even tithe. Bam. Right? Ooh, we just like, end this segment right there. <laughs> no, but, like, we, we, we can't give away our resource. We can't spend our time on someone yeah. else. Like, not mm-hmm. that we can or don't. I'm just making... Can't show up at 6.30 a.m. for morning Sam, prayer. Yo, know, oh. I'm sorry. Sam, I'm sorry. Sam's <laughs> feeling something right now. But, no, but what I mean is, like, we are so self-indulgent, right? And luxury is not opposite the kingdom of heaven. Like, I've said this before, like riches help fund the kingdom of god on earth like we know that like it's not a bad thing it's just our perspectives get so washed that like the funny thing is find the, fun, the funny thing is i find is that and then and in like my parents age like i've never really heard my parents talk about this but like their generation mm-hmm. i'm just to shout out to my parents i've never heard them say stuff like this but um where like whenever it looks like there might be some kind of religious oppression or persecution coming in the west then it's the end of the world yeah that's the end times yeah as right? if we're the focal point as if yeah as if, like mm-hmm. we're we're the place that's declining yeah not where it's going up For right sure. like, like what about europe yeah. like it's declined way faster than we have and that was definitely at one time you know the focal point of you know civilization now and, it's southern america africa even even yeah. in the in in the asias right like um that's where god is like exploding right now um so that's what it's it's like it's just so us centric it's like oh it's hard to be a christian now it's the end times get me out of here oh right it's gosh, like i know and so i think that just creates this this thing where i think we do need to recover our understanding of martyrdom in the sense of the sacrifice of life like jesus did right now he got resurrected and we will one day but you know that idea of just like truly mourning with our brothers and sisters for right? sure like yeah. we're capturing the heart for that and like being challenged by the fact that even this weekend right 200 people gone of our our people that we will be in heaven with like in the new heavens and new earth forever yeah right and like we should mourn for them and we should be supporting their churches in the way we can and praying for them and you know like recovering that sense of mortality and sacrifice and um humility really like like, like, and taking advantage of, like, that's the thing that, like, sometimes gets me all wound up is, like, and maybe this is a weird spinoff, but I've found that a lot of these Christian cultures around martyrdom and, like, giving a, having a life that's, like, live for Jesus, well, we will make much, and I've done this, um, so I'm sort of correcting myself, about being so on fire for God that, like, I would die for him if it came to it but we're too afraid to tell our friends about Jesus. Yeah. So physically, I'm like, yeah, kill me. Socially, no, I'm not risking it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Cheap. Yeah, like, I, I, and I think the bigger point that we need to get to is just that we we have a, we're a faith that's about sacrifice, not about martyrdom. Sometimes, you know, laying down your life, like, sometimes sacrifice takes that form, but yeah. I think you know you, the point you just talked about like that's a social sacrifice you know i am putting something at risk at stake there that i am protective of yep so I, like i feel like that's the bigger point of all this yeah it's it's living a life with open hands everything about my life is open-handed right and within the calling of god the responsibilities given me so i have a wife a family a neighborhood a church like i gotta take care of that stuff mm-hmm. at the ex- like at the expense of my own comfort Right. Of my own leisure. And although the modern mind can't fully grasp that, 
that is the call into the kingdom. Like it is an other centered life. Um, first for God and then for other people. Trusting he's going to be the my, he's going to be my source. He's going to be the life that I have, the peace I have. And, and so I do think that, yeah, getting back to the original conversation, the, the fantasy of martyrdom, it has a redeemable heart, we'll say, but a very poorly applied structure, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, we shouldn't wish for it if we don't have to, but we should not wish to ever be so complacent that we, like, forget what sacrifice is. We're not, we aren't simply resurrection people. We are cross people as well, the cruciform life. Right, that brings through resurrection. And so, yeah, I think like if if you were the people that had experiences like Sam, <laughs> fantasize about dying, um, you know, I'm sorry about that. I think that there's better ways of forming your soul. Because again, I remember having those fantasies as a kid, but in my own mind, like never put on by someone mm-hmm. i remember reading these books and thinking like would i be able to do that sure and i kind of think that's a more healthier version of that mm-hmm. um and so i think we just have to realize that yeah like that kind of like fantasy world of like let's all imagine being martyred right now is kind of morbid yeah <laughs> yeah well we're probably a little bit late to the party on this but we haven't talked about it yet on the cast and um as we should all be aware of right now um marijuana became legalized in canada in the fall it did and that's uh definitely sent a lot of people questioning it uh reconsidering it uh exploring it maybe for the first time now that there's some of the stigma and the taboo around it has maybe been removed like i'll even um neighbors of mine uh in my hometown who grew up with it being bad, like you're not supposed to do it. I mean, some of them probably tried it, but you know, just um, the fact that it was illegal was definitely a barrier to entry. You don't want to be one of those people having to go buy weed from a sketchy drug dealer in town. But now they're starting to reconsider it. They've been trying edibles. They've been, uh, yeah, just experimenting with marijuana now that there is uh, absolutely nothing wrong with doing it, at least according to the law. According to the law. But Sam, are you asking if we can get high? I'm not asking that at all. I'm I'm just opening the conversation about how does the Christian now approach marijuana now that this particular obey the law um, restriction has been lifted from it? Um, Jesus is my drug of choice. Amen. Legitimately, Kate, kind of weird Christian story. Um, I'm, I was out in Sussex, New Brunswick at camp. And we had this one guy, I don't remember his name, but he was, he was interesting to say the least. But we went out one time, a bunch of guys, and uh, there's some guys like getting high mm-hmm. and fr- out front of like Shoppers Drug Mart or something like that in Sussex. Groovy. Um, right? Totally cool. But his way of approaching it was like, he goes, he goes up to these guys and he had done drugs like his whole life, basically. Like mm-hmm. he was just kind of like recovering out of that. And he, yeah. he, he, his, his pitch was like, have you guys ever had the high of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> like legitimately. <laughs> and trying to like evangelize these two like 12 year olds who are like so getting awesome. high about like Jesus is the better drug of choice kind of thing. It was interesting. Um, but anyways, 
Um, no, it's true. So we have this conversation now, uh, uh, and I've been asked this a couple of different times, and um, you know, it's always interesting depending on who's asking and why they're asking and yeah. things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like you did make a good point there that I guess we can start off with because it seems to be the natural flow of the conversation is first off, um, Christian morality is not primarily tied to legality. And so we have to make that distinction because, you know, Christians are part of a country, but we would argue as, you know, maybe confrontational as this is that we, we serve a higher citizenship. We have mm-hmm. a higher authority, God, yep. who, you know, we would want to live morally through him and then serve the Bible says like submit to the law and submit to what's he has put in place as our authorities, unless we would argue it sort of goes against what he's put in place. Um, so we have a kind of authority or hierarchy of authority that we do submit to. And so for us, morality comes before legality. Um, and just because it's moral doesn't mean it is illegal or Ill- illegal. And just because it's illegal or illegal doesn't mean it's immoral or moral. So those right. are, they are sometimes tied, yeah, but they're sometimes not. So again, they're still distinct. They are, frameworks. right? So like murder is immoral and mm-hmm. illegal. Yep. Lying is immoral but legal right unless you're lying under oath. on taxes yeah. under oath yeah. some kind of like extortion things and fraud sure yeah but like you know you're not gonna go to jail to lie if you lie to your mom kind of thing right we recognize that so you know we the thing is this gets down to a deeper conversation around the idea of like what can save society and oftentimes christians will abdicate um, legality as the way to save society from perceived moral evil. Yeah. Um, which I think is just a, in, I, I want to say a stronger term than that, but I'm going to self-censor right now and say it is just a, a short-sighted view of how to socially change things. Like sure. I think we have an abdicated political power uh, or social power so much to the political realm that if anything, like we just always want to make it political issue, vote yeah. on it, right? Which is like, that's not how you truly especially as a church, right? Like change hearts and minds, not through politics. Um, politics is important and our politics help us work out our values. And so we should be thinking through that. But like, anyways, just because it's just like, you just can't make a law every time you don't like something, basically. Like it just yeah. doesn't, it's not the best way to change the world. Yeah, Mike wants to ban Game of Thrones, but can't do that. Well, okay, guys, if you're a Christian and you're watching Game of Thrones, here's the thing. Um, basically, I haven't, I've never watched anyone. <laughs> just going to put it out there. Actually, that's not true. I did watch one. Um, and it happened to be the worst one possible with like the, like the, with the brother and sister rape scene happening. Oh no. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. That was the one that I ended up watching. So that was fun. Thanks to everyone who told me to watch it. Um, <laughs> I mean, but that's like right in the middle of the show. I'm so, like, yeah, you, I don't know. You it's... didn't care about the following the story at all. Well, I, people just kept telling about me all the, all like, here's the thing, like storyline editing, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it's amazing. But the pornography that's in there is not worth it because I don't know if you guys re- recognize this or not. The violence isn't actually real, but the bodies are, and you're gonna have to deal with Jesus on that one. We can get into Game of Thrones on a whole other conversation. For sure, there. for sure. And here's the thing: if you watch Game of Thrones and you're a Christian, you know I'm not gonna judge you necessarily strongly. But he might. Well, the Bible says we can judge those in the faith. If you're not a Christian, you watch it. Hey, you do you. I think it's probably not good for your soul, but that's a whole other conversation. Yes, do I watch dumb shows sometimes? Of course I do. And then I repent after. I'm just kidding. Well, no, I'm not kidding, but I don't want to sound like that. Anyways, why'd you bring a Game of Thrones? You know it's a hot button. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hot take. Game of Thrones is not good. 
I just for wanted, your soul. I just wanted to get Mike to go off on Listen the podcast. Me, it might be an amazing show. I have no clue. All I know is that for the amount of sex and rape that exists in it, it should not be a form of entertainment that we find joy in. That there's other things you can do better with your time. And yes, if you're going to be like, well, I watch it for the plot. That's what porn addicts say about the porn too, guys. Like, seriously, <laughs> get over yourself. Um, I'm, I'm just saying like, no, but, but legitimately, I do mean this in, in this sense. Like, you know, the thing about on-screen nudity and sexuality is that like, yes, it's like staged maybe sex scenes. Although some of those things that you can't really stage some of that. But anyways... Um, this might have been your longest tangent ever. This is the look. You brought it up, bro. Here's the thing, right? Is as you can like we know that no one's heads getting chopped off in reality, right? Yeah. But guess what? That's her actual body you're watching. Sure. And if we are yeah. a Christian with sexual ethics the way that we view them, you have no right to do that, whether she wants you to or not. Mm -hmm. You need to honor her as a human being, not as some object of your sexual pleasure right now. And so, if you're going to indulge in that, and say, well, it's entertainment. Well, then, bro, like, you need to grow up. I'm just putting it out there. Like, I know that's probably controversial and people are not going to like me for that. But I just, like, I just don't even, I, I don't even understand how Christians conceive of that. Like, I think we just sort of block it out because it's a good show. Anyways, <laughs> we'll nice. do a whole episode on entertainment one day. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Seriously. Now we're getting all these questions. How dare you be such a Pharisee? I'm not a Pharisee. I just love purity, people. Anyways. We're going to have a purity conversation, purity too. Purity conversation. All right. Well that's, well, that's a whole other thing. No, I'm not going to go there. Okay, this back, is about back weed. to weed. It's about back to hide. weed. Um, no, so anyways. So just because something's legal doesn't make it moral and vice versa, right? So first off, if you were not smoking weed just because it was illegal, then okay, you haven't thought deeply about morality in the church, right? If that was your one thing. I think for a lot of people, to be honest, in my, in my kind of experience... That was the big thing. So they never thought about it deeply. Just it was legal, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Right? Yep. I think even a lot of churches sort of mm -hmm. took that stance. It's illegal, so just don't do not do drugs, kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there is deeper concerns here. And so the biggest one, I would argue, well, there's three, right? Um, at least it, when I've, like, read about it and thought about it. And, like, I remember having to do with it in, in a college, like, in a social ethics class. Um, and then just doing some research on it, thinking about it. If I were to preach a sermon, for example, on it, um, my argument would be, you know what? You're not going to hell for it, but you probably shouldn't do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say this, cause like, like you don't get to heaven cause you don't smoke. You get to heaven cause you love Jesus. And like, so it's not about that, but is it a moral issue? Well, I'll say it like this. If someone's like, hey, man, try this, and you take a puff, hit, toke, toke, yeah. I don't even know the language. Um, it's not like the mortal sin. Like, oh, wow, I, I taste smoke. Now I've mouth. lost my salvation. Right. But here's the thing. Um, there are three principles in scripture that would drive us uh, through this conversation. One is the idea that our bodies are a temple. Right? Mm -hmm. So anything that we put into our body, we should w be weighing the, the impact. I thought that only applied to sexual sin. It, it's uh, that's, that's direct application. I'm kidding. Speaking of Game of Thrones, <laughs> um, uh, direct application is that. But that's often been used for smoking, like c c cigarettes, yeah. or 
eating too much junk food, right? Like legitimately, yeah. like we need to take care of our body. Eating red meat. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Maybe same. I'm not. Sorry. Um, but no, but like being concerned about the health of our body is, is, is important. So anything that you smoke into your lungs, that's not going to produce like ultimately good health. I'm just saying, right? Like, not mm-hmm. that we can avoid secondhand smoke and blah, blah, blah. I get it. Well, yeah, but you're not breathing in clean air, and that is not what you should be breathing right? in. Right? And yeah. people have said, well, there's health benefits. Well, sure, maybe there are different ways of Yeah, there's different of ways consuming, of consuming it. Yep. Right? That are better mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And I know you've explained this to me, Sam. There's different, like, strains and uh, different kinds of stuff with different compounds that are good and bad and mm-hmm. medicinal and not and whatever. And so, again, you know, generally speaking take care of your body number one probably the lowest argument but still a good one Mm -hmm. right the second one is probably like the strongest prohibition i would agree um and it's on the idea of drunkenness so it's it's about alcohol right Mm -hmm. paul says do not get drunk um with wine be filled with the spirit right yep and the comparison is ultimately about uh control clear-mindedness inebriation um drunkenness losing one's sense of self-control right um and so when drunkenness obviously it's more of a well i guess it depends on what kind of drunk you are but you 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 do become a different kind of person like you mm. lose a certain of of inhibitions you lose a certain amount of control right that you, and there is a line right and the bible is pretty clear on that that there's like you know there's images of feasting with wine and like even in heaven jesus says i'm not gonna have like the fruit of the vine until i'm with you again so like there's a celebratory nature of it even in, I think it's in Proverbs or that it says talked about how like, you know, like the, 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 the essentially like the merry qualities of wine, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's God gave it to us as a gift. It's good, but there's this line that you can cross, right? Into drunkenness and into that. And, and so there's this push in scripture and I think it's a good one, which is um, for us to understand that the a value of the Christian life is clear mindedness, mm-hmm. right? is sound mind sober mind sometimes called where peter talks about being of sober mind right and and that is actually value for us and so anything that robs you of that state one could argue is against our ethic yeah right which means this and i'll admit this right because people often say well like what about drinking coffee right yes if it brings you to a place where you've lost control of some things like mm. if it's brought you to a place where of, of you're not in a clear state of mind right yep. and so i'll like i've admitted this too to our church that like if I'm on like like fourth or fifth cup of coffee in a short time, which I know you think you drink four cups of coffee in a short time, there have been dates, right? Mm, I drink that almost every day. Right? Well, yeah. Okay. But if I'm at that level, I have said some of like the worst things. It's true. I get really irritated if I hit, probably right? surpass that. And, and, and I know it's the coffee that I'm drinking, yeah, right? Sure and the thing is. is, I don't want to drink it because I like coffee, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, and like, I, like, I'll admit, like one time I said probably the worst thing to about Emily um after my brain was hyped up on caffeine that i would normally not say i know i wouldn't because i didn't really even believe it i was just like super hyper and just like we got into like, this little bickering in front of megan and ivan so i just like said this thing because i just was not even caring um and i had to go back and apologize and it was like it wasn't like it was bad for me it wasn't like something right. crazy but it just it was still it was like it wasn't a nice thing you definitely regretted it yeah. and hold 100 percent and and, and I could tell it was the hypeness of the cop. Like, I was just buzzing. Yeah. Um, and so I don't drink that coffee anymore. Like, mm. I drink one or two, and that's it. Like, yeah. I, I, I've made a drunkenness line for my coffee intake. For sure. Know your limit. Play within it. Kind of a thing, right? 
And so there is that idea of like the clear mindedness and the not drunkenness. And so that does apply to getting high, right? Mm -hmm. Where it does distort control, distort like, you know, um, and people might argue it's more of like a mellow thing or whatever. It's still a cloudy mind, right? It's still a cloudy mind. And so that, that is the impetus. So again, it's also a situation, all things being equal, right? Like if, you know, like we have to take drugs, right? That make you kind of go loopy for surgeries, right? Mm -hmm. Anesthetics or, you know, morphine for pain or whatever. It can sometimes get you go like contextually. Yeah. Like, like ethics are complex for a reason. It's not just like an mm-hmm. all thing, like, but all things being equal, right? Just smoking up. We would say no, right? You <laughs> yeah. actually don't like you're going to, you know, take one puff, whatever. I don't know why you do that, but if you did, whatever. But like, it's getting to that point of like, I've actually gone beyond sobriety. Um, so that's, that's, that is probably the strongest prohibition against any substance that does make mm-hmm. you lose a sense of self-control, yep. a sense of clear mindedness, clear headedness. And I don't think the ideas you're getting while you're high are, you know, worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and this extends to all drugs, right? Yeah, like, for sure. I, like, even, like, if you're following Joe Rogan and all, he's all about this, like, DMT, DMT stuff yeah, and the yeah. spiritual thing. And, like, yeah. apparently, I don't know if you saw this, they're trying to map out that world that you can go to. Have you heard this? Oh, my word. Yeah, no, legitimately. They're apparently, Gosh. so this was on one of his podcasts recently where, um, and yes, every so often I listen to Joe Rogan podcast because it's just interesting, some of the guests he has on. Um and the guys like they've tried to invent this like procedure where it can keep someone in like a DMT high, but not fully engaged in it, so they can oh, kind of like wow. describe so kind of it. Half in, half out. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's the thing, guys. Um, getting high and essentially getting drunk on a substance, we'd say don't do. Yep. And so like it extends itself out, not just to weed, not just to alcohol, but to substances, right? There. There are good uses mm-hmm. and then there's abuses. Yeah. Right. And so for us, yeah, like you're not going to, it's not like an anti Christian thing to take a couple hits of marijuana, fine. But like to get high, to purposely do that, which leads you to the third one for me, is like, why are you needing to? Mm-hmm. Right. What in your yeah. life is driving to the point where you need yeah. to get drunk? You need to get high. You need these things. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the more existential, a little more softer argument, but I think sure. it's an important one. I, right? I think it actually might be the deepest one, though. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I think uh, if you're doing it because you are trying to escape something or you're trying to, I don't know, unlock some altered state of consciousness that like those are, I don't believe there are, those are pure reasons to do something like mm-hmm. that. Like I really don't. Actually, the motivation is really the one for me that speaks the most to whether it's sinful or not. Well, yeah, and it definitely is a a question to ask of the self, right? Like especially as a Christian who our theology is that we've been given like Jesus life abundant. Mm -hmm. He says your joy may be complete, right? Peace that passes understanding, right? That you've been given purpose in the mission of God, according to the kingdom with your name on it to Mm -hmm. figure out how you're going to make like, and not to mention calling responsibility, you know, um, accountability, uh, purpose, um, you know, the idea of like capacity and faithfulness like when you when you, when you begin building your life out mm-hmm. and you see how much is actually like demanded of me like i don't got time to get high i'm yeah. gonna enjoy other parts of life like i'm like where is the place for getting high within that life yeah. right like again like if it's like what's well, my community 
I don't know. I've never been in the drug community. I'll be real. Like, I've never been drunk. Never been high. Kind of boring in that sense, I guess. <laughs> or redeemed, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I've just never... It, like, it's, not, it's not even a draw for me. Right. Um. So, I can't I can't speak to some of that stuff mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the experiential level. I'll admit that, right? So, like, you know, if all your buddies are hanging around just getting high, I'm like, well, there's better things you could be doing with your time. Sure. Right? Yeah. And you could argue, well, like, you watch Netflix. There's better, yeah, I could. 100%. I'd agree with you. Right? I don't need to waste my time watching Netflix either. Right? That is a kind of escape. I um, do feel like the the getting high thing does add another layer, though. It does, where like it's like, it's it's not it's not one for one, but like yeah. the idea of a time waster or, jo- or finding joy in like in like frivolous things that like aren't needed for life. Because yeah. I think when God talks about joy and enjoyment, like the picture, at least for me, is always in the richness of creation and like food and family and music yeah. and art in like these. And, and expanding the mind and like doing gardening for me, right? Like the idea of gardening, I hate actually gardening, but the idea of like cultivating <laughs> the earth and like making food. Gardening like, is nice. It's very thorough. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I, I, I hate cleaning up leaves. I hate raking. Like I, <laughs> Emily. Sounds like you're just lazy, Mike. No, like oh, maybe <laughs> I could be, but like, I, like Emily volunteered basically us to do the gardening at our house that we're renting. So we don't even, we don't own it. And like, we had to start this week because it's been nice. Oh, You're man. not happy about it. I was not in a good mood. I did it, and mm. we and we got the first round done. Yeah. But Emily is funny. I haven't even said this to her yet. So when she hears this, this will be funny. But she like I was out there, and uh, she's like, what's wrong with you? And what I said was, nothing. I'm fine. What I wanted to say was, I hate gardening so much. <laughs> I was like, I hate it when we owned our home, and now I hate it even more that we don't own this home. But I didn't say that because in the moment it wouldn't have been glorifying to God or to our marriage. Mm-hmm. So I just did it, and we raked up was, some stuff. That's very wise, right? Of it's you one of those moments. So that. sorry, babe, if, if yeah. you know when you hear this. Um, yep, I was not having a good day that day, but I got done. Anyways, um, and so that's where like like the deeper satisfactions of life. I think we don't need to get high to have as Christians, yep. right? So I think. Like there, there'll be people who develop their theologies of why it's a natural thing. It's good for you. Like I'm, I knew a guy who did that. I'm like, fine, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. So do what you got to sure, do. I'll yeah. preach what I believe is true. But I do think that idea of like purpose and joy and escapism is actually like, like, here's the thing. I want, I want to make sure this, like there is some sensitivity here. Cause I know that some people from stories that I, that I know, right have used things like weed, right, as a as an escape from pain, right? Mm-hmm. They can't afford to go on a vacation. They can't afford to get away, but they can afford maybe a little bit of this, right? And sort of like a thing. And so are they evil for that? No, I just think that there might be an emptiness. Yeah. So I'll say that, yeah. right? Like, and, and that there might be, and again, I... And I'm not going to get. Well, obviously, I'm not want to get into this because I just don't know enough. But like, obviously, there's a lot of debate around the nature of weed and politics and what, how it gets used as this thing yeah. and targeting certain demographics and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. like, so I think it's just a much more convoluted conversation in society. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for a Christian, for us to engage in the actual activity, yeah, to me, it's not. To me, it's not even a question. It's like, no, we just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone gives you brownie and it makes you feel funny. Well, 
got you but like <laughs> you know like it right like it could be a lot more harmful than you think though <laughs> yeah right i guess it's true uh but so i just like i, I don't think we need to be like yeah yeah like to me the conversation didn't change no it's just the one aspect of it it was illegal yeah. right so yeah one of the barriers to but but like there's still barriers mm-hmm. yeah yeah for us as christians there is like maybe, maybe for other people there wouldn't be anymore and again we we like we take the stance of paul in corinthians 5 like we don't judge those outside the church right we judge mm-hmm. those inside the church and we'll treat people who don't know jesus like those who don't know jesus like they might need an escape because they, they that's the thing that's hard for me and this is probably curtails to another bigger conversation is like both good and bad I don't know what it feels like not to be a Christian because I've never not had that, mm, right? Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. Like, so, like, I can't ultimately relate to that in a sense because I've always had this knowledge of God as young as I can remember, right? And, like, I remember, you know, as a kid wanting Jesus and having that thing. And, and I remember, like, and even the thing about, like, so... so as I, I preached on the, on the Ascension um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, like one of the things in that is that God is ultimately knowable, that that He's eternally or not eternally, um, infinitely intimate. That like because Jesus ascended to heaven and He sent the Spirit, like God is always accessible. Like we are as Christians are ultimately never alone mm-hmm. ever. Like yeah, we have access to God for like I don't know what it feels like to not have that. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like. The, the existential maybe pain and, and, and mortality and like just emotional drain, maybe I'm sure it is heavier than people like to admit, mm-hmm. right? Um, like the closest I've come is this weird story I have, which I, I, I don't like hide it, but um, I just, it's one of those ones that like people like, I don't know if they truly believe this happened, but um, I had to do a speech on like loneliness for like this this teacher of mine for like her grade nines and i remember and like and i was trying and it's kind of like one of those half genuine half kind of like tool christian moves but i was like i just don't know what it feels like to be alone i'll, I'll do my best but like i don't know I'm trying to be like oh my trying to almost like evangelize the teacher yeah right yeah which in hindsight i'm like you're a tool like you could have done that so much better but anyways um but i did go home and I was in my time of prayer, and there's a story in the in the Old Testament of a king, um, Hezekiah, that God kind of removed his presence from for a minute, as a judgment on him. And uh, I remember reading that and thinking, God, like, could you do that for me for a second? Like, could you like remove your presence just so I could like feel alone? Um, and obviously we believe the Spirit's always with us, but I I, I honestly felt in that moment. A separation and i like and I, and I like and i say this in with all humility like i literally fell and i weeped for an hour just under the sheer like emotion of that wow thing like i can't describe it because it was it was like god left for like it's like he gave me this wow. insight into yeah. the weight of it um and i remember like i can still remember this would have been i've been married for six years this would have been almost 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I could still remember just dropping to my knees. Yeah. Right. And just feeling, feeling that. And so was that just me making it up? You know what? The skeptics probably will say that. But 
could have been this thing where God gave me a, like an insight. I think it was in like, I can, I know in that sense why I need to be filled with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for us as Christians, we have the spirit, we have joy, we have yep. peace. Right. And so that's why we don't need it. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. That's why I can't judge those who do. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a Christian, because the Bible makes... I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, not kidding, but you know what I'm saying. Because the Bible makes pretty clear statements. So that's where th- those three levels of of the temple, of sobriety, and of uh, essentially like joy and, and escapism, um, I would argue that all things being equal, Christians should not engage in getting high, um, as well as drunkenness and like hyped on caffeine. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you took the time to lay all that out because um, I didn't want to start off the conversation with my personal experience with weed. Um, but what? Yeah. So fun fact, I've done it Disclaimer, in the I past. Disclaimer, I didn't know about that. In the past. Yeah, Mike, Mike knows. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've had a, such a variety of experiences with it because um, you're right. Like it is not as simple. Some people think it's just oh, you smoke weed and you just you get high. And, you know, clearly it's wrong because um, like the sobriety thing is a very compelling case. It's not the experience with weed a hundred percent of the time. So I've you know I've had it. I've used it in pill format for the purpose of a sleep aid before. Uh, just to see if it worked. I don't really think it did. Um, I smoked it just to have fun with my friends and laugh harder at movies, which, like, I'm not going to lie, it makes comedy movies way funnier. And then I've had experiences, though, where I, like, it was a deeply uh, haunting and almost traumatic, like, almost spiritual experience in a, in the worst way possible. Like I just felt the weight of my sin almost just in that point. Like I just became so hyper aware of my smallness and my just place in the universe. And it, like, it was the most outside of myself I've ever been. And it was hands down one of the worst experiences of my life, possibly the worst mental state I've ever been in. So it's extremely dangerous too. So these kinds of, uh, these ads you see, like Spike Jones did this new ad about, you know, the benefits of weed and... Because he's definitely not like invested in it. Yeah, exactly. But like, there's a dark damaging side to it too. Like it can make you... Some people take it to feel, you know, relief from pain, but it can actually make you super anxious and paranoid. So all this to say, not all weed is created equal. And I do believe that there are non-sinful ways to use it. Um, You know, if you take it as a sleep aid and only as a sleep aid and it, you know, it actually works for you. Or if you take it medicinally because it relieves epilepsy, like I think that's legitimate too. I mean, I I like to believe that God had some purpose in creating this psychoactive drug. And if it was to relieve epilepsy, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, But I do think if you're using it to get drunk or, you know, as a party drug or like, I just don't see the redemptive quality in that. And, um, yeah, so I wanted to share my perspective on it, having actually used it, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything Mike said. Um, it's a, it comes down to um, your heart behind it, ultimately, for me. Like, why are you doing this? What feeling are you aiming to get from it? Is it relief from actual ailments? Great. Is it um, escapism? Mm, maybe reconsider. Yeah, well, I think that's, I think that that does branch a bigger question, right? Really beyond weed. It's like, Mm. what are our 
substantive crutches. Yeah. Some people, it's food, junk food. For sure. Chocolate, mm-hmm. right? TV, music, like anything can be used as that kind of essentially idol, right? Yeah. And so it's a bigger question for us, even as Christians, just to think through like, as kind of cliche as it is, why are we running to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like what is filling that space for us? And our phone, Instagram, mm-hmm. like really? Yeah. Like, let's be real. Like how it's habit, right? So like, yes, with the drug, obviously there's those other, you know, psychoactive, as you called it, effects. Um, which again, to me doesn't, like even your experiences don't really like shock me from the good to the horrible, yeah. right? Because like, like even just as you study the history of religion, drugs have like, especially psychoactive and like hallucinogenic drugs have been used by, you know, shamans. And crazy thing about it is even like, uh, some of the, like going about the Joe Rogan stuff, he actually started talking about that, about how like, you know, you, like you, you need to have a shaman take you through this experience. Yeah. And like there's, they're actually recovering the language of ancient pagan religion that did this very thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like, it's not like, to me, it's not some like, Oh, I feel like I connected with the spirit world or whatever they say. It's like, sure. Like, yeah. Why maybe. not? Right. Like maybe like, like there's, there's been this pattern of like, I see these crazy psychedelic things. And then I tell you what the God said, right? That's not a new thing. Right. Um, and so having those weird kind of out of body things, it's not like we are afraid of them in any way, by yeah. the way, it's just that we just like, I think there is that clear sobriety call. That's like, we just reckon we don't need these things to, we, we don't need, this is what I would say. Like we don't need as Christians a aid to experience the depth of the spirit. Yeah. If like, if that's all you take, I want to have this existential experience we don't need that we have we, we like legitimate as crazy as i might sound like we have access to the god without any of that stuff right yep. so on that level on the spiritual level we don't need it on existential level we have joy peace salvation all that like we have purpose and meaning and hopefully like our boredom produces creativity not high yeah right and then you know on the clear-headedness like so that's where like i would even go through all those things and putting it through the lens of everything like like why like even you know our addictions to coffee, our addictions to alcohol, right? Like they're different. Like no one's, you very rarely, obviously have you heard of like a marriage being destroyed by coffee addiction, mm-hmm. alcoholism, definitely yeah. drug addiction. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So there's, they're, they're, they're different. Like let's not like, yeah. Difference in severity. For there sure. is yeah. right. And, and so like we have to treat them differently, but mm-hmm. just the question, the role, the principle behind it, right? What are we taking care of our body? Are we being clear minded? Are we really living on purpose, right? Are we trying to pursue the best for our life from the glory of God and good of people? Like, if if you can answer those questions with a true and full heart, like, I don't think it's going to be like, yeah, I totally should get high.